You're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Thank you. Thanks, Leo. Wow, that was a, a big build-up for, for Leo, hey, but he deserved it. <laughs> and, and you get me, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, now, nah, awesome. I just want to say publicly, I really uh, appreciate Leo's leadership over the years, over three decades. And uh, yeah, um, I just yeah want to say, I hope you had a great day so far. To all the fathers, have a great day. Um, I'm going to share for a few moments, a few moments on how to be a good dad and a good father. Couple of statistics. Uh, Father's Day, if you don't know, was founded by a Christian woman in Washington at YMCA, which is also a Christian organization, in 1910 by Sonora Smart Dodd, who was born in Arkansas. Yeah. Its first celebration was in Washington, um, YMCA, on June 19, 1910. Her father, the Civil War veteran, William Jackson Smart was a single parent who raised six children. That's a tough gig. <laughs> wow. Um, so that was when Father's Day started. So it's nice to know that most good things start from God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, another really, listen to this one really carefully. This is, really, uh, this is a statistic. Uh, in America, even as the country added 160,000 families, um, with children, that is, the number of two-parent households decreased to one uh, one point decreased by one point two million. So, fifteen million U.S. children, or one in three, are fatherless, and nearly five million live without mo- a mother. So, in nineteen sixty, just to give you some comparison, eleven percent were without fathers in America. Eleven percent, which is one in ten. So it's a big jump. So we do have an issue. We do have a problem. We do need to pray for our for our families, and we've got to make sure that our structure stays godly uh, as best as we can. You know, predominantly we live in a fatherless generation. Paul said that we have many teachers, but not many fathers, and we need fathers to roll up their sleeves and to be in the midst of their children while wiping their butts, <laughs> changing their nappies. Well, you know, the, there might be, uh, you know, a bit of vomit. They might need to clean up. You know, you're there. You're, you're not just speaking the talk. You're not just talking the talk. You're actually in there uh, living life with your children. And I think that's so, so, so key. Um, we're going to read some scriptures and then we're going to dive into some points on how to be a good dad. All right? Um, Psalm says he places the fatherless in family. How does he do that? Well, there's, there's, there's a couple of ways. There's churches all over the world. There's churches all over this country. And he places the fatherless in those groups of people because they're family for you. And our Father in heaven is our perfect father. He's our perfect example. If you knew where I came from, you'd understand how good our father is. He's amazing. I mean, I, I've seen my father. Look, I'm not, I'm not going to throw him under the bus because he's not here to defend himself. But I have seen my father with a knife pointing to my mother and saying, divorce me or I'm going to kill you. I've seen, I've seen some bad stuff in my family. I'm not saying we come from a perfect family. But you know what? God is good and God has pulled me away from that. And I, I know my dad used to say things like, you're good for nothing. You're going to be... This is why I was hard on my brother. Because I passed it on, you know. Hurt people, hurt people. 
And I was hurt because I didn't, I don't even, even to this day, I don't even realise it's in my subconscious that my father kept putting me down. Now, I don't want to, he did his best. Remember, he, he had his own father who kept throwing him under the bus and kept telling him he was no good. So he was only passing on what he knew. So we've got to just sort of forgive and forget and move on. So we, uh, there's many here that I see, I know, don't have perfect fathers. But I, I just want to say, guys, you've got to look to your daddy in heaven. Got to look to your daddy in heaven. <sighs> Let's go. Oh, yeah. Before we go to Malachi 4, 5, 6, as they get that ready, we need to learn how to be good fathers and be good sons. Because I always pray that prayer. I say, Father, the first thing I say is, what's, is I want to be a good son. That's the first thing I ask God in the morning. So I say, I want to be a good son. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good father. And I want to be a good Samaritan because we want to, you know, reach the lost. Malachi 4, 5, 6 says in New King James Version, Behold, I will, send, uh, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. So that's what we're up against if we don't have good fathers and good, good sons. There will be a curse on the earth. Luke one seventeen says something similar. You will also go before him in the spirit of power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So, okay, in the last days, one of the signs is or will be that God will return the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. That's what's going to happen in the last days. Thank God for that, eh? We need that. All right, so number one. All right, ready? <laughs> Heavenly Father and a good father. What is, a hev- what is our Heavenly Father? This is what, this is what we're going to explain in these next 12 points. They're, quick, they're really quick, don't worry. <laughs> Heavenly Father and a good father. The first thing you've got to remember is the unconditional love that he has for us. A father's love, a father loves their children no matter what they do, right? A, a, a loving father does not give up on their children as soon as they do something wrong. Imagine a little child trying to walk and he fell the first time. You go, oh, that's it. First, I give up on him. Never do that. A father keeps keep picking back up again and keeps trying. Always never, never gives up. So that's how we need to be with our children. Never giving up. Always encouraging. Always uplifting. Always loving them. But let's not misinterpret that unconditional love. He's also a just God. He's also a fair God. Uh, he's a righteous God. So, you know, we can live in absolute rebellion and then and that, that unconditional love doesn't, doesn't fall on us. It's still there. Don't get me wrong, it's still there, but it's like it's an, something blocking us and it's, not, it's of our own doing, you know. Never blame God for that, for that unconditional love. If you put yourself outside that blessing, it's because we put ourselves there. Psalm 103. I don't know if the scriptures are going up. But that's cool. If you've got your Bible, Psalm 103, this is a longer one, verse 10 to 18. He, he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so, a great, he, so great is his mercy towards those that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children... So the Lord pities those who fear him, for he knows our frame. 
he remembers that we are dust. As for men, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it and it is gone, and it places and it and its place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those who remember his commandment to do them. So there is, uh, we need to put ourselves, we have to be good sons. Basically, we need to be good sons for him to father us. Uh, We need to put ourselves in that position. Uh, You know, I, I thank God that I, somehow kept coming to this church, putting myself in the position of the Word of God and always allowing God to minister to me and always allowing the Word of God to minister. That's putting myself in this position. I'm getting watered. I'm getting fed. And that's how I become a good son. I'm, I'm a spiritual son of Leo. I really am. Yeah, so he's my spiritual father. It doesn't matter if he's two years younger than me. He's got nothing. To, uh, that's just a number. You know? Awesome, eh? <laughs> a father... A father Want, like Leo was saying, wants the best for his children. Amen. He was saying earlier on, that's the best joy of his life, to, to see you guys prosper. He wants them to be strong and healthy. I want my children to grow stronger than me. I want, I, when I see Nathan make coffee better than me, I, I rejoice. I don't go, oh, no. Oh, he's making coffee better than me. Jeez, I rejoice. This is what a true father is. You know? um, a father, if he had to, would take a bullet. For his children. I'll explain a little bit later. <laughs> he sacrifices for them. He, he would take the suffering off them if he could. Honestly would. A good father. This is, we're talking about a good father. I know there's some bad fathers out there. I didn't share this story in the first uh, meeting. But I saw, I mean, I'll, I'll probably wait. I'll, I'll, stay, I'll share this story a little later on because it's more, more relatable about be, believing in your children, so I'll, I'll share it later on. But a good father would always blame himself first if his children did anything wrong. Of course the children would take some responsibility, but love always checks their walk first. What have I done? You know, I used to run a, a business for 15 years, a coffee business, and if I saw someone do something wrong, I'd go up to them and I would, I would if, I, if I didn't put anything in place, I can't blame them. I would correct them in saying, listen, I'm... There's no systems in place. It was my fault. I didn't tell you this before. But basically, we need to be doing this from now on. And it's just take responsibility. If you're the leader and you're the father, you're the business owner or whatever, you're the leader, you need to take responsibility and say, I haven't explained this before, so from now on we're going to do it this way. And that way there's no pressure on them or you. Just be honest, you know. I think that's the best way to lead. Just be totally honest and uh, take responsibility as a leader or a father. Number two, believe in them. Okay, this is where I'll give you the example. I was at, a bar- I was at the barber getting my hair cut and uh, I hear this mother, I, I think the child had uh, ADHD, is that what it's called? ADHD. He was about five or six, maybe six years old and uh, he was like uncontrollable but the way the mother was treating him was, you know, it was just incredible. Like he would say, "You, I'm going to kick you up the backside. I'm going to... You, you little mongrel, I'm going to bat you. Once your father gets she's going to smash you. You are so naughty and, and on and on and on. Just so negative. I felt like taking the child away from them. That's how I felt. But uh, then, he, then he was, there was a seat there. They were trying to sit next to me. He was kicking me by accident. And, 
And uh, she goes, oh, t- s- apologise to the man. I said, no, it's okay, it's okay. Would you like a seat? And I gave him a seat and he, for a minute, he looked at me because I was being nice and he calmed for about 10 seconds because I was just being showing him a little bit of love, just a touch. And I wish I could do more, but I, I couldn't do more than my, my, my barber was calling me to have my haircut. But the point is, they mother did not believe them. And I know it's tough to raise those, those type of children. I mean, I, I don't know, but I can imagine how tough it would be. But we, we have, I think, three different influences on, on what, uh, what makes us a good son. You have your genes. I know that the mother ha- has shared her genes with that, with that poor child. But you still have outside influences and then your own choice. So you have outside influences will be God and the devil and man and everyone else that influences you. But you've got your own choice. And I think if the parents were uh, loved and they had a loving environment, they would be able to teach this child how to be a better child. And it would be a much better environment. Um, I know there's other influences as well. But I really believe that the reason why they get worse is because of the parents that unfortunately don't know how how to be a good father or how to be a good mother or father. There's, uh, basically, he would, be, he would have been terrified because if she was being so rude and they were hitting each other, they were basically hitting each other, and if fa- he said, wait until your father gets a hold of you. you know, I don't know. I can't, can't imagine what he would do. You know? So it's really sad to see that. You know? So we have to believe in them. Simple childlike faith, they will obey you. They will sense your faith in them. And will live up to your expectation and faith in them. Do you really believe in them? You know, active faith, real faith. The point, the point of uh, struggle is inside, you know. Uh, to see them walk, if you see them do something wrong, do you still believe in them? You know, if not, then get before God. Get before God until you do believe in them. You need to pray for them. You need to believe in them and always think positive over their life, you know. So look, what about the story about the prodigal son? The father believed in him. When he just wanted to be a servant, he was happy just to come home and serve. They get, what did the father do? He gave him a ring, a robe, sandals. He didn't do anything. He just arrived home. Done nothing yet, but he gave him everything. So he believed in him. and was, uh, That's how you believe in your children. Yeah. And guys, remember, this is not just for those who have children or those who... Uh, we're not just talking about children we're talking and fatherhood we're talking about our heavenly father how he sees us and try and relate this to your father if you don't have a father you don't have a good father just look to your heavenly father or if you have a mentor okay number three god's vision for them do you truly see their potential in god this is a little bit deeper now do you see and if you don't get before god until you see it speak into their life while they're young and plant seeds and prophesy over them. I mean, I, I, I do some small prophecies in a way, you know, in lifestyle, but, I, but, but it doesn't have to be so spiritual. I prophesy over you. And, no, S- tell them what you see. Tell them what you see them do. That's prophesying, you know. Um, see, uh, do you dream with them? Don't squash their dreams. Let them dream big. Sometimes your dreams can make your friends laugh. That's cool. They're laughing, that means you're dreaming big enough. If they're not laughing, your dreams are too small. Simple as that. Number four. (laughs) Thanks, Tina. (laughs) Number four. A good father lives as an example. The children, we don't want the children to be confused. They know, (laughs) you know, they know if you've got a standard, a certain standard with your words and a different standard with your real life. Let's not confuse our children. Let's live by example. 
Uh, I think I've heard Leo say many times, they don't catch what you talk, they catch what you have. You know, so if you've got the mumps and you're preaching measles, you're going to catch the mumps. doesn't matter. Ephesians 5.1 says, As dear children, be imitators of God. What are they going to remember about you when you're gone? Do you ask yourself that question? I do. (laughs) I ask myself, what are they going to remember? Because I'm getting to the ripe old age of 50. I'm going to be 53. <laughs> I I often ask myself, well, you know, my dad died at fifty five. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to I'm going to live till I'm ninety six. That's my age, <laughs> ninety six. Because I felt the Lord say to me, what What are you believing for if you live till you're ninety six? I felt the Lord say that. So that's probably. I want to see you at ninety, honey. That's right. Sure do. Imagine that. That'd be awesome. Unbelievable. Um. So Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Do you remember the first time you heard that that scripture? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? The first time we heard that, that really punched our heart. It really touched our soul. We, we all, everyone in this room works and we spend hours earning money. I understand we need money to survive, but let's not make it all about that. Let's make it about kingdom. Let's make it about our father. Let's make it about those, those we love. You know, when we... If we were on a deathbed, what would you think? Would you think, oh, I've got a couple, if I had a couple more hours and I'm dying now, if I've got a couple more hours in the office, I'd be happy. Come on, no one says that. Those, those precious hours that you want to spend, those last precious hours, you would want to spend with your loved ones. It's so obvious, yeah. Number five, spend quality time together. I'll uh, give you an example. With us, uh, we try and have breakfast every Saturday. We have bacon and eggs and tomato and mushroom every Saturday. Uh, since Nathan's been married and Sophia's got a job on Saturday, even Heidi works on Saturday now, it's become a little bit more difficult. But we try and have breakfast during the week and some dinner at night. And, and then I work with my children as well. I work with Nathan, thank God. for it. It's awesome that I, you know, it's so I can't explain how nice it is to have my son working with me. It's just it's, it's, I can't put it in words. It's awesome, you know. That's my heart, yeah. But it's just awesome, yeah. And uh, I just want the best for him, you know. And then I work with Lucas and Curtis as well because we do short films together. I love getting involved in what they're doing, you know. Uh, and, and that's it's just awesome to get together because God presents himself amongst us to be, our influ- to be an influencer for us. So we need to do the same for our children. We need to presence ourselves. We need, we need to spend time with them, you know. I mean, I heard someone say, I think it was Heidi Baker, how does love look like? In Sydney, I think we're time poor. Yeah. So time looks like, love looks like time yeah. in this city here, you know. Number six, uh, a father teaches, trains and equips his children. We empower them. Make opportunities for them. Jobs, opportunities, promotions, open doors for them, especially for all those first timers. Give them, uh, give them an an inheritance as well, you know. But opportunities, I was, uh, I think I mentioned earlier before about about Stephen and Nathan. They came from school and worked in the coffee industry. I gave them an opportunity, and now they're in the coffee industry and they're professionals in their coffee industry. We've got Stephen working for Campos, Nathan working for Coffee Guru, but they're professionals. They're really well respected in those industries, and that's simply when they first came. They, had st- they I mean, Stephen still had his school uniform on with his hands in his pocket, 
And he's just standing there and I said, uh, you're working now. Pick up a broom or something. <laughs> but now, look at him. So it's really hard to start from scratch. You know? First timers, that's, that's where you've got yeah, you to start being a father early on. Number seven, discipline his children. A good father disciplines his children. It's not a dirty word. <laughs> this is for long-term goals. We need to discipline our children. If you want to achieve the long-term goals, we need to put dis- different types of disciplines in place. A father, do you know that scripture? A father disciplines those he loves. So we don't like that word, but it's t- so true. He made disciples. We need to learn how to discipline our children. And uh, we, with a biblical way, uh, when they're the right age, uh, I think the wooden spoon is a good way to discipline them. I know that's controversial, but I understand that biblically. If, uh, yeah, <laughs> let's, just start, let's not start that today. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, number eight, a good father relates to his children. Comes down to their level. You know, their, their, their level of revelation, the level of understanding. We, we come down to their language. I, I give you some examples. When, when my children became teenagers, I didn't understand them. I'll be honest with you. I, I especially Nathan, because he's the first. Uh, poor guy. I didn't understand. <laughs> it's usually the first that cops the most. I know. Trust me. I know. Um, and he and I didn't understand that where he was going. He, he needed to find his identity. He needed to be a, a loner. He needed to be grow grow up in a man. He needed to grow up. Yeah. So it was tough. It was tough for me to understand. But we got to remember what we were like when we were sixteen or fifteen or whatever. We got to just put ourselves in their shoes and just bear with it and love them through it. And now he's back. <laughs> I don't know what age it is, maybe, maybe it's 23, 24, everyone changes at different ages, some are 21, 22, they start growing up into a man and start re- relatable again, but it, it, they do need their own space at a certain time to grow into a man and that's just them, you know, growing, changing and, and it's a lot of things happening, as a, as a, that's another story, but you, be a good father. <laughs> To, to be a good father, you've got to understand those processes. You've got to let your there's a lot of there's a lot of teenagers. You've got to understand. Let them go through it, you know, and just just be there for them, you know. So important. Yeah. Um. Uh, I just <sighs> your heavenly Father is is the best. I just want to say how good He is. You know. Uh, I uh, I said earlier this morning. Um, if you knew where I came from you would understand how good our father is. I, I was, you know, I've got about, I don't know how many criminal records I've got, I've lost count, but I had, I couldn't even go on my honeymoon because I wanted because I had, because I've had a criminal record. And I've broken the houses, uh, yeah, I wanted to go to the US, so it wouldn't let me go, yeah. And I've, you know, knocked off, broken into cars, it was all sorts of, I was, a, I was a criminal, I was violent, I've, you know, assault, I've been charged for assault, yes, I have. Maybe that's why it's taken me so long to be here. <laughs> I don't blame Leo for not giving me a chance, honestly. But I am so privileged to be here today. I really, really great. I'm so grateful, and I'm so, so thankful. And that's because Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, He's been so good, and of course through Leo as well. <laughs> no one's walked out. That's awesome. <laughs> awesome. Um. Number 10, provides and prepares and plans for his children. We've got to give them uh, tools physically, spiritually and mentally to, to, to prepare them for the hard knocks of this world. You know, we've got to, we've got to 
give them the right tools. You know, like, for example, when Nathan went for his first job interview, when Lucas went for his uh, first meeting or business meeting, you know, I want to prepare them. Le- Lucas still comes to me for advice, and I love that. I know he's still humble enough for, Dad, I've got this meeting. What, how, do I, how do I reply with an email, this and that? That's, that's what we're there for. Yeah. If we're not there for that, how are we going to, you know, be a good dad, you know? I'm, and I said to Nathan today, because he's married, I said, you're always welcome at my place. My door is always open. You can always come. That's, uh, <laughs> that's a, a father's heart. That's my heart, you know. He's got a key anyway. He's got a key. That's it. So true. So preparing them for hard knocks, preparing them for all the tough times in the world. It's so cool. Um, it's good. Number 11. Number 11 protects and provides a safe home and environment for them. I remember I was in Casino last weekend and uh, Mike Weaver is a beautiful man of God. He's, I love him because he's such a rugged country guy. I just love him, you know. Uh, loves his meat. He's a butcher. Yeah, just love him. Anyway, <laughs> he, he said shepherds don't just teach their sheep but their main job is to protect them and it hit me like a ton of bricks. We are there to protect our sheep or protect our children. So important. We laid down our lives for them. You know, you know the story of David fighting the bear and all that. We we need to be like that. We need to lay down. Look, I'll give you an example, right? And the kids wanted to play the film clip (laughs) for this, but uh, uh, we'll see if they get it ready on time. I um, I was at home and and I didn't think I had this in me. You know, Um, my wife said a man just jumped over the fence. I said what? The back fence. I said, yeah, a man just jumped over the fence. I said, it took a while to get to my brain. I said, okay, what's going on here? You know, and I, So I'm the man of the house. I can't send my daughter out. I've got to go out and, and deal with this, however it was. And I didn't know what, what he's running. Then I heard a helicop- helicopter above my house. I said, this is more serious than I thought. Now, I could have been afraid and not face my fears. That's not bravery. Bravery doesn't mean the absence of fear. Bravery means you face it. And get out there, no matter how afraid you are, just do it. So we were, I was afraid, yeah. <laughs> but I, well, I just, my, my feet were walking though. <laughs> I didn't stop. I walked to the front and goes, yeah, I'm afraid, but I'm just walking to the front. I'm the man of the house. So I went to the front because he went down the side of the house and a dog was barking in the bush. It's only a little dog. It's not a rock wheeler. It's just a little dog. I wish he was, yeah. He's just a little, uh, you know, corgi barking in the bush. And then I went to that bush and found a man hiding in the bush and the helicopter hovering over the top. And so I said to him, what, do you, what, do you, what did you do? And he said, uh, I, I did a runner with a, I, I, uh, it was a pursuit. It was a, what do you call those? Car pursuit. And he, he left the car and then started on foot. So I don't know if it was a hit and run or what it was. I didn't know to what level or degree it was. But he basically uh, did a runner and he said to me, please don't tell him. Don't tell him I'm here. <laughs> and I said, oh, God, what do I say? Wisdom, Lord. And I said, well, it's too late. They know you're here. Just <laughs> anyway, so he just, uh, when I said it was too late, they know you're here. I didn't even know if they knew. I, I did point to the helicopter. <laughs> hey, protect me. <laughs> anyway, he uh, basically took off and jumped the fence and ran across the road. And the guy across the road, he's an ex-veteran. And if he was home, he, w- he had a gun. He's pretty crazy. Lucky he wasn't home. And they finally caught the guy. And, but anyway, protection. We are the protector. It's something in us. And the last but not least, okay, we we went through that, yeah, is number 12. If you don't get anything else, make sure you get this. 
the best gift you can give your children is for you to live the best life you can, you can live for Him. To be strong for your children, to be spiritual for them, be fit and healthy for them and yourself. Be happy for them and most importantly, be real for them. Be the best you you can be because they watch your life and they, they mimic you. And honestly, from, the, from a very young age, they mimic you. And it's scary, that thought. It really is when you think about it. The responsibility that we have when people mimic us. And mentors, ones that you're leading, are mimicking you. So let's make sure we can be the best we can be. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com. Or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.